Hop in and welcome aboard. It's your boy once again, Lance Fernandez, and this is the Limahan Basketball Podcast, a podcast about everything. Philippine basketball, be it professional basketball, semi-pro basketball, amateur basketball, 3x3 basketball, women's basketball, and everything and anything basketball under the Philippine sun. Glad that you can join us today in this gloomy and rainy August 7th edition of this podcast. It's been a while since we have uh, recorded and uh, published an episode for uh, our show. Uh, things happen, life happened along the way, and now we are... Uh, back in full swing and we'll be able to record uh, regular episodes as much as we can and because uh, basketball never stops also in this beloved country uh, aside from the MPBL which is uh, already in full swing for their Lacan Cup the PBA Commissioner's Cup Finals has already started with Talking Tech uh, winning the first game not to mention uh, NCAA is already um Alive and kicking And also UAAP is just around the corner So we don't have uh, a scarcity of basketball topics to discuss And that's why we are going to uh, dissect And we are going to analyze And we are going to give our opinions On five of the most pressing issues and topics Revolving around the sport in the country So let's keep the ball rolling And let's start with uh, the fastest growing basketball league in the Philippines The Maharlika Pilipinas Basketball League and there have been a lot of developments in the league itself. Aside from the fact that they will now have games overseas, a few teams will compete in Dubai, uh, much like um, what the PBA will do also. Uh, there have been uh, new teams also in the fold, but uh, still uh, the, the top team, if I may say, in the league are the defending champion San Juan Knights who are carrying an 8-0 record so far. Uh, that's very impressive and uh, even though there's still a long week to go because they have to contend with each of the teams once so that's a total of 30 games so 22 games left in the eliminations alone. They have been very impressive in their performances so far. It's not about just uh, offense really even though they have a lot of firepower in uh, their roster with uh, the old reliables such as uh, Mark Cardona and even John Wilson and Larry Rodriguez and also the younger ones like finals MVP Mike Ion-Ion and Aaron Heruta and even John Clarito. Uh, they have uh, employed a stifling defense for a uh, majority of those eight games and no wonder it's it looks like uh, they have been uh, smooth sailing so far eight games down and eight wins and uh, much of them have been blowouts uh, just like their last game against the Kansas City Capitals it was close in the first half and San Juan just uh, blew uh, the hats off their opponents and dominated uh, until they got their eighth victory in the season but uh of course, enough of that. Um, the most pressing topic about MPBL so far is uh, one of the statements that Senator uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, uttered recently. And it's not about uh, having an MPBL international uh, edition wherein you have teams competing overseas year-round, much like the MPBL, and compete... Uh, and then the champion of that league would compete with the local one for a, nation, a national finals, rather. But 
there has been a suggestion of making the MPBL a full-pledged professional league that uh, the Games and Amusements Board are keeping an eye on the situation if ever MPBL wants to make the jump. But uh, if you're going to ask me, there would be a lot of questions that the league has to address before that happens. Uh, as of now, uh, players earn from a minimum of 15000 to as much as 50000 a month. Uh, in uh, in all of the teams across the board and it's not even clear if they have a salary cap to begin with so if a team has uh, enough resources and enough uh, financial backing they they could choose to pay everyone 50,000 pesos a month and you have a maximum of about 22 players in one roster so that's about uh, 1.1 million pesos a month in salary but we all know that doesn't happen but uh, in theory they could do that but if the MBBL would turn pro it means that the players in it cannot play for other leagues anymore because uh, that's what usually happens there are some players in the MPBL who play in other commercial leagues like the CBA for example the San Juan Knights also has a team in the CBA and that team also won the title and uh, it was even coach Randy Alcantara who coached that uh, who, who mentored that squad to the championship of the CBA if that happens MPBL going pro then all of the players should have guaranteed long-term contracts in paper because what happens is the players usually shift from one team to another after one season and uh, sometimes they're not binded by uh, long-term contracts so once uh, you do not satisfy the coaching staff or you do not satisfy the management anymore with your attitude and performance you are free to go also uh, if they are to turn pro it means that the salaries would have to be increased and that would be the main issue regarding this matter. And if the salaries are going to be increased, then the salaries should be transparent for everyone, uh, how much a player receives per month. And also, they should have a fixed salary cap for all of the teams. There should be an amount that uh, would not be uh, too small for the bigger teams and would not be uh, that much of a fortune for the mid-market or the smaller market franchises. And also, when you are, when you consider the league pro, I believe that would be a detriment to the MPBL rather than uh, a positive sign. Because it's like a direct response that they are competing already with the PBA, the big dog, wherein they have... Uh, clarified time and time again we're in uh, coaches in the PBA can get jobs in the MPBL granted that they can balance those responsibilities also some MPBL players have been called up to the PBA so it's like the MPBL is firing a direct shot the PBA if they do turn pro so those are some of the reasons as to why I believe the MPBL should not do this and 
in his heart of hearts, Senator Pacquiao would not do it, would not uh, uh, give the go signal for MPBL to turn pro. Also because they would be subject to licensing in, uh, in the Games and Amusements Board or under the Games and Amusements Board. So every game, uh, they would have to pay a certain fee for GAB uh, for for uh, the government agency to govern and to monitor. Not only that, all of the staff in the MPBL, from the statisticians to the court side, the uh, uh, Coliseum announcers rather, would have to register to the GAB also. And all of the coaches and all of the players uh, would follow suit as well. So that would be a big uh, money hole, so to, so to speak, for GAB. But I believe MPBL won't do it because in itself, the, the product is enticing and ent- entertaining that the MPBL is basically your biggest ligang labas in the Philippines. It's your biggest league barangay. It just so happened that it's nationwide and 31 territories around the country are participating in it, engaging in a tournament that could last for close to a year. So that's basically what uh, the MPBL is. And uh, if you uh, professionalize it, not, not saying that they could not professionalize it as it is right now, but... They could also uh, have some measures to improve the operations. But a bottom line is uh, MPBL should stay as it is. It is uh, working as of now. It has uh, gone through three seasons or more like two and a half because the third season is not yet done. Uh, the biggest issue that they would have right now or they have to address is not necessarily... Uh, going pro or not but more importantly uh, do do they have enough money to sustain it long term because that's a lot of teams a lot of travel a lot of logistical needs a lot of expenses bottom line so before going pro or uh, signifying uh, that uh, there would be another professional league in the Philippines for basketball I guess there are other concerns that the MPBL should address because the product itself is entertaining and good. And it would be a shame if it dies uh, in the not-so-distant future just because they weren't able to address other issues at hand. Most importantly, salaries. Most importantly, generating revenue from sponsorships. And more importantly, how do you they keep the cash flow going as far as merchandise is concerned they have a captured audience and i believe that they should capitalize with the people who live in those territories because uh, they could earn additional money from that they could uh, generate more revenue and in the long term that could help sustain the team the conferences and more importantly the entire league The Mohorico Pilipinas Basketball League Lacan season continues at the Bulacan Capital Gym in Malolos 
First game would be Navarra's Unipac Sardines against the Davao Occidental Tigers and it's happening as we speak. Second game would be the Sambuanga's family brand Sardines going up against the Sock Sergeant Marlins Armor On. And the last game of their triple header, the Valenzuela Classic SPV Top Marketplace will battle against the home team, the Bulacan Cuyas, at 8.30 in the evening. That's today, live at SNA, Maharlika Pilipinas Basketball League, Lacan Cup. Well, moving forward, as we transition from MPBL plugs to the PBA, uh, it's just saddening as to what happened to the career of Calvin Abreva, a highly talented player that uh, had a good start, had a decent uh, run with Alaska, only to be traded to... Uh, Phoenix, uh, Paul's Fuel Masters. And then we all knew what happened. There has been an incident about uh, him uh, flipping the finger uh, to uh, a fan that uh, happened to be uh, the girlfriend of Bobby Ray Parks. And now he's out of the league uh, indefinitely suspended. And rumor has it that he's being shipped to other teams right now by the Fuel Masters. Uh, just when uh, he was uh, spotted playing Aligang Labas in Rizal, and there has been another controversy wherein uh, alleged uh, abuse uh, by Calvin towards uh, his partner and uh, their children surfaced uh, in his uh, Instagram account uh, himself. Uh, although. Uh, the the videos are vivid and uh, somewhat uh, clear. Uh, it's still not enough to judge um, or conclude uh, what really is the bottom line with uh, all of the proceedings and all of the evidences and everything that is happening. Although it's just saddening that uh, Abueva's career has been reduced to this. He is a very able player who can contribute a double-double any given night and uh, he brings tenacity on the floor uh, that uh, aggression and that uh, toughness uh, he always carries that in his backpack night in and night out so he would be an asset to any team that would get him if you're going to ask me which team would benefit the most or could uh right the ship so to speak then you need not look further than the San Miguel Beermen. Just look at uh, how they were able to uh, transform and not uh, not just transform but let uh, Terrence Romeo buy into their system. Uh, right now Romeo is lucky if he can play 20-25 minutes in a game as compared to uh, his stint in Global Port Wynn Clearly, he was the guy. So that's a big shift in his role. Not to mention before uh, he even entered the PBA, he was uh, the main weapon of the FEU Tamaraus. So uh, he has been accustomed to that kind of role for so long. And then eventually, under San Miguel, he's a role player. He uh, plays behind the likes of Chris Ross and Alex Cabagnot. And he couldn't complain because, and I believe... Abreva would also buy into this fact. San Miguel, the beer men, are proven champions. They have won the Philippine Cup five years in a row. And they have proven their medal. It, it is clearly their time right now 
for those who have been detracting the beer men, they're too strong. Nobody can contend with them. Just uh, remember that the team was built through trades, acquisitions, free agency, and not necessarily through the draft. And it was a tedious process and a gradual process. Uh, they were not able to get all five guys, all of their starting players, in one sweep. Rather, they were able to get one after another, and they were able to build a team for a team rather for the ages. So, if Calvin Abreva has the luxury of choosing a team, or if Phoenix would still want the best for their former player or future former player, that is, uh, they would have to ship. Abreva to the Beerman. Now the question is, who would the Beerman give in return? Now that's something that uh, Phoenix has an ace upon if they are to transact with the Beerman, because they can get somebody from that uh, illustrious roster that the Beerman has and try to improve their roster. Uh, more importantly, uh, they would need a big man because that's where Phoenix lacks. Their uh, backcourt rotation is settled. They do have guys like Matthew Wright already. They do have uh, an LA Revilla already. So that uh, that part of their team is settled. But the big guy rotation, there are still some loopholes in that in that aspect. So if Abueva is to be traded, I believe um, there's no other team that could uh, handle him well and. Uh, inculcate discipline to him very well other than San Miguel because if you don't listen to those people then that's the final ace in Abreva's league he would be out of the league for for long indefinitely maybe even uh, permanently and just imagine if Abreva can uh, be part of that bench that will be a boost in their bench scoring and uh, that would make San Miguel an even uh, more potent team but let's see what happens let's see how it unfolds uh, ultimately uh, there have been a lot of thoughts there have been a lot of conversation and a lot of speculation about Calvin Abrego but in the end we still want the best for his career we still want the best for his future and hoping that he will be able to leave according to his own terms leave when the time is right and leave when he has already uh, cemented a great legacy of playing in the top league in the Philippines the PBA You're still tuned in to the Limahan Basketball Podcast with your boy Lance Fernandez. And there has been a lot of retaliation. There has been a lot of uh, drawbacks. There has been a lot of um, anger towards the recent uh, statements of Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte uh, towards the Gilas Filipinas squad that will be competing in the FIBA World Cup later uh, this month in uh, China. Wherein uh, he practically mentioned that we don't have a chance against Italy and rather place our bets on China, the, the host nation. Um, if you're going to dissect the statement, of course, as president of the country, you should always look for 
what will unite your constituents, your nation. And there's nothing that can unite the Philippines um, other than, number one, Manny Pacquiao fights. As we all know, uh, there's virtually no traffic and even uh, zero crime rate whenever uh, Pacquiao uh, climbs into the boxing ring and uh, fights against uh, anybody because uh, the nation is glued towards the spectacle. And another one would be Gila's matches. Teams like the Philippines stops, the entire nation stops whenever our uh, Philippine team or Team Pilipinas, I should say, uh, competes in the in- international stage regardless of how big the competition is. There's always a guaranteed audience that will tune in to all of those games. So for him to say this statement, of course, there will be a lot of uh, negative comments. There will be a lot of um, anger that will be raised like, towards it. Um, of course, as always, if you say something, uh, there are always um, better ways to package your statements. And uh, that's the foremost lesson if you're going to delve into public relations. Uh, you mean one thing, but you can package it into something that would soften the blows or uh, would somehow sugarcoat what you directly say. Uh, there is a possibility, of course, a big possibility of that, that um, Italy would ramp away with a victory because uh, as far as uh, world ranking, as far as discipline, and as far as um, their cohesion, uh, they are ahead miles and miles against the Philippine team. Just face it, uh, there are only 11 people, 11 players at that who went to the training camp in Spain and only 10 are playing because Kiefer Ravenna cannot even suit up because he's still serving his suspension. So there is some truth to it that Italy could end up defeating the Philippines in the opening match of the FIBA World Cup. But there are other ways or other um, means to, to express that. Or... Rather, you could just told that uh, best of luck to our boys against Italy. And that would be a better statement. There would be no drawbacks against it. But to even say to bet on China, um, that's in another world. Because uh, yes, China is one of the best in Asia. But we are talking about the World Cup. Even though they're the host, uh, other nations, uh, especially the ones from Europe, would even eat them alive. So, they are even no match against those teams, regardless of how much they prepare for it as a host nation. So, if I may quote the direct statement from President Duterte, and quote, May basketball naman dun. Wala, tal tayo, walang laban. Sa China lang tayo magpusta. End quote. So, that's the direct statement that the Philippine President mentioned although he gave a consolation wherein he mentioned that we have a strong chance to defeat Angola this isn't to say that they are pushovers because uh, they have been a long time uh, African basketball champions uh, there was a string uh, during the Jordan era wherein it was always Angola who competed in the World Cup because that's how great they are 
So even though we don't know much about this team, and that's what's more dangerous, being not familiar with who you're going up against. So there is a danger for Gilas to lax a bit against their opponents because they think that they can win and they do have a strong chance to win. But with complacency and overconfidence comes uh, lack of preparation and of course uh, shifting your focus away from the game already because at your head, in your head rather, it's like you have a foregone conclusion that you will win even though the first uh, even before the first jump was thrown or executed so with this statement um, you would understand that a basketball loving nation like the Philippines would have negative comments comments towards a statement like that uh, from the top leader of the land uh, essentially giving a lack a vote of non-confidence to the Philippine team against a much tougher, taller, more disciplined opponent. But that's why the games are played because we've seen a lot of upsets since uh, since competitive basketball started. That's why once you go into the game, the term strong on paper doesn't apply because you can easily adjust and you can easily match what the other team is doing that if you adjust well you limit the other team on offense and execute a solid game plan even though you are rank 100 something and you go up against uh, the top one of the top 10 basketball teams in the world you have a strong chance to win you have a shot so philippines against italy it will be a tall order for our boys uh no sugarcoating that um that's the best way to express it. It won't be easy, of course. But there is a slight chance that we might be able to take it. And if there is a way for us to bolster our tempo, make the game quicker so that the Italians um, would, have, uh, would be unsettled to catch up because they're more accustomed to half-court play, and of course, outside shooting. If we can find a way to do that for the entire ball game and convert shots out of it, then we have an outside chance to win. But right now, odds say, lineups say, and experience say that Italy has the advantage. But that's why games are played once again. And the Gilas Filipinas will have a chance to prove the president of this country wrong that they will always have a chance that they always have the fight in them and more importantly that the determination in the puso is something that cannot be measured and once that puso carries throughout their grain once that puso is manifested throughout the contest then that's the greatest weapon that our team can have to be able to pull off an upset against one of the top teams in the European continent.
So speaking of Gilas Pilipinas, so far so good for our boys in their Spain training camp. They have won their first two games in convincing fashion. First up, they were able to dominate Congo to the tune of 102 to 80. Uh, they blasted off the gates in the first quarter, building a 32 to 19 advantage. However, the Congolese were able to catch up in the second frame and end uh, the first half of the the match. Uh, just being down by one point. However, uh, our boys were able to uh, catch fire in the third period and uh, mount a big lead, 84 to 60, after three quarters. And um, that was all she wrote. Uh, the Philippines was in cruise control after that, and uh, they held on to that 22-point uh, uh, winning margin. And uh, in their second game. It was a, a different uh, story, that is. It was the, the Ivorians, the Ivory Coast, who dominated the first quarter and led by 9-28-19. But our boys caught fire, most especially Andre Vlach and Paul Lee. And that's why we were able to uh, get the upper hand after three quarters, 79-75. And uh, we just pulled away with an 11-point victory after that. So... These uh, indicate that uh, the Gilas Filipina squad is uh, playing at uh, high gear, that uh, they are building good chemistry, even though there are only 10 players who are suiting up because Kiefer Ravenna is not yet allowed to play uh, even pick up basketball due to his suspension. But if there's one glaring concern that we can get from these two games is that there are moments or there are spurts by which they let uh, they let their opponents dominate or let their opponents catch up it's as if they would take a break for a few minutes and before they know it either their opponents have built an early lead or have caught up leading to halftime and against teams like Italy and Serbia and Angola you cannot afford to have a rest. You cannot afford to have moments or stretches in the game when you say, uh, let's just be in cruise control and let's see what happens because these teams can eat the Gilas Pilipinas alive if they do that, especially with uh, the outside shooting prowess of teams like Italy and Serbia. And of course, those two European teams can use their height advantage against our boys so if we are to have an outside chance to even defeat those two teams then it will be 40 minutes of pulsating in basketball 40 minutes of intense uh, execution pinpoint accuracy and of course knockdown shooting and if we do that then we might shock those two teams and, find, and get victories as well but of course, that's still weeks away. And the most pressing concern for Gilas Filipinas right now is to defeat Congo again. Because uh, for those who don't know, uh, they are in a, a four-team pocket tournament. So the Philippines, Congo, Ivory Coast, and of course the host nation Spain. So if Gilas can defeat Congo once again, then it would uh, translate to a showdown against the second best team in the world. And they have guys like Mark Gasol and other sorts of uh, players who have made it to the NBA. 
And that would be a great barometer or a great measuring stick for our guys because Spain somewhat mirrors the the composition, uh, the build of Italy and even Serbia. And possibly the place, the game plan, the execution can be comparable to who we will go up against go up against in group D so if we can do good against Spain then we like our chances against Italy and Serbia but then again this is a tune up game and we don't know if uh, Spain will use their full strength in this game because um, they would like to avoid any untoward injuries as well and they would like to pace their players so that uh, they won't be uh, they won't lack uh, energy or they would still have uh, enough gas in the tank so to speak for uh, the real tournament which is uh, the one happening in China but if there's something that we can get from this game if we defeat Congo of course then by seeing them play by seeing them execute by seeing them uh, carry themselves then we can get a lot of pointers from them and coach Yang Yao and the coaching staff will be able to compile all of the pointers the tips that we can get and use that or inculcate that to our players so that we can adjust accordingly and fight better have a better chance against our opponents in the first round of the World Cup of course it would be an exciting experience for the PBA players to be able to match up against their idols even for a tune-up match and I believe that these NBA players these uh, Spaniards will not uh, take it easy from us history tells us that uh, they have not been taking easy on us for more than three centuries so why take it easy now in one basketball game but kidding aside uh, this would be a great measuring stick for Coach Yangyao and the rest of the Gila squad. Um, if we do win, then that's a great surprise, great news, and a great uh, response to what President Duterte mentioned days ago. But if we don't, and if it turns out that Spain will blow our team away, then the best we can do is learn from the mistakes during the game what enabled Spain to win the match why are they the be- a second best team in the world and what is it in their execution that makes them tough to defeat or maybe even flawless so those are the lessons, the pointers those are the tidbits of information, the nuggets so to speak that they can get if they do compete against Spain. But for now, the first order of business is defeating Congo again, not letting them catch up like what they did in the second quarter of the first encounter and play relentless basketball for 40 minutes, Philippines at that, so that they can soundly defeat the Congolese and then set up a match against the second best team in the world the Spaniards.
So a few minutes from now, the San Miguel Beermen and the TNT Catropa will lock horns once again for the third game of the Best of Seven PBA Commissioner's Cup 2019 Finals. And so far, after two games, it has been a hotly contested affair. Uh, during the Newbies Broadcasting Academy uh, during the first weekend of August, it has been shared to us by Dean Kinito Henson that uh, this is going to be a very personal series because there have been a lot of players in uh, TNT uh, who have donned the SMB uniform and vice versa. Uh, even Jimmy Alapag, who was once... Uh, a player and uh, have won titles for TNT is now an assistant coach for SMB so just to paint the picture of uh, how personal this series is so there have been uh, people personalities and players at that or coaches for that matter who have jumped ship to the other side not uh, of course that uh, doesn't include the fact that these are the two uh, premier ball clubs of uh, the two biggest conglomerates in the pros. Wherein, of course, San Miguel is part of the SMC group, which is also comprised of the Barangay Ginebra Gin Kings and the Magnolia Hotshots Pambansang Manok. On the other hand, of course, TNT is part of the Manibi Panglinan group, and which uh, is uh, under that... Uh, group or under that conglomerate would be the Anlex Road Warriors and the Moralco Bolts. So uh, there's that uh, corporate tug of war going on as to uh, which uh, consortium or which uh, conglomerate is better. So you couldn't draw the battle lines any clearer than that. But in the first game, it has been all TNT. Uh, Terrence Jones uh, dissected the San Miguel defense apart by uh, tallying 41 points and uh, regardless of uh, who was uh, covering him they couldn't find an answer uh, for Terrence Jones Uh, of course being a lefty um, San Miguel wasn't able to close his uh, left lane for a majority of the game and that's why Jones was able to drive at will for most of the times and when the defense collapses towards him, then that's the time that he would kick the ball out to the likes of Jason Castro and Troy Rosario, Ryan Reyes, or even Don Trolliano. And there has that has been the reason why seems like San Miguel wasn't able to rotate very well towards the weak spot of the TNT's formation. Uh, they would leave um, that corner three, one of the corner threes open, and usually the recipient of that would be Trolliano. And he was able to get uh, a few three-pointers out of that. But uh, aside from the contribution of the other uh, or the locals of TNT at that, uh, it was the Terrence Jones show. Uh, whether it was Kelly Nabong or it was Arwin Santos or it was uh, somebody else covering him, he was able to score at will. And he was able to dominate the five-time PBA Philippine Cup champions. And they were poised to win game two, which has been uh, marred by missed free throws and some controversial calls. But it is what it is. And San Miguel was able to uh, pull off a double overtime victory wherein uh, Chris McCullough couldn't even uh, muster enough energy to go directly 
to the locker room after the game. He needed a few minutes to catch his breath and uh, try to recuperate some of his energy or collect some of his energy before going to the locker room because he played the close to an hour of competitive basketball that's about 57 minutes and change which means that he practically played the entire game because he got four quarters 48 and then two OTs that's 10 to 58 and he played 57 minutes of those so he barely had a minute of rest throughout the entire ball game but despite the fatigue despite the physical drain uh, for both teams at that uh, San Miguel was able to pull away with a victory a victory that should have been talked in text second straight if not for those four missed free throws at the end of regulation you could argue that without those missed free throws the overtime wouldn't have happened if only Troy Rosario or Brian Herwella converted just two of those four then the game and the advantage would be out of reach but jokingly uh, they would still call Brian Herrera the gong SMB for missing those two free throws but uh, joking aside if he converted only one then that would be a three point lead which uh, lessens uh, SMB's option to convert uh, or to make an attempt from three point land and hoping to convert it instead of having a two point deficit wherein Chris Ross was able to find a streaking Alex Kabagnot for the easy layup and send the game into overtime. And then there's this controversy that TNT had six players on the floor and he was right. It wasn't called. And there was this issue of June Fajardo stepping on the baseline before uh, Yusuf Taha made the push against him. And... Uh, Of course, there would always be contrasting views towards that instance. The TNT fans would uh, say that he stepped on the line before the foul. SMB players would say that Junmar was pushed and uh, that's why he stepped on the line because he's trying to regain his balance. So there are those two schools of thought from that one instance alone. And reviewing the tape, I was able to uh, see the tape once again of course it would be a subjective call but in my heart of hearts I feel like the referee missed the stepping violation the out of bounds violation before the foul so that's my own interpretation and mind you that they change they even change a goal tending uh, a non-goal tending violation originally against Terrence Jones into a goal tending one giving San Miguel two free points so if not for that change, then there wouldn't be an overtime. Talking text would have won by two. So those are those. Uh, those are the instances that have uh, called the game for San Miguel. I should say uh, that turned the favor towards the Beermen. We're in. Uh, TNT should have. Uh, taken its second straight victory and put more pressure towards the Beermen. But instead, those four missed free throws by the end and then so-called meltdown in overtime by TNT. 
especially because Terence Jones fouled out, Troy Rosario fouled out as well. So there were there weren't a lot of offensive options for TNT during the second overtime, but still they managed to uh, keep the fight close and uh, have a chance of salvaging the victory. But um, it didn't turn out that way. So TNT uh, SMB was able to tie the series to one apiece. So coming into game three, what should work for both teams? Uh. For San Miguel, I guess, first and foremost, they would have to exploit the matchup that TNT gives against Chris McCullough. For some reason, for two games, they always put a smaller guy against uh, the San Miguel import. Uh, either it's Herrera or even uh, Roger Pugoy at times. And San Miguel must exploit that matchup. I believe it's a ploy for TNT so that San Miguel would notice the mismatch and they would go more often to McCullough and hoping that with that kind of strategy, with that kind of game plan, uh, it would uh, somehow shelf the other players from scoring or bar the other players from scoring, the other the SMB locals at that because there's too much firepower in the squad so by allowing McCullough to score at will they are limiting the chances for the other players to leave their footprint in the game so that must be the writing philosophy of the TNT Catropa in this first two games in the first game uh, they did pretty well McCullough was still able to score uh, 30 points um, he was able to knock down jumpers from the perimeter that's uh that's uh what he is more accustomed to he's more of an outside shooter rather than a post player um and jones obviously have uh, has the upper body strength advantage uh as co- when the two imports are compared but in game two uh the ploy did not work mccullough was able to lead his team and San, Mi- San Miguel came up with a victory. So if San Miguel is to exploit that matchup, they should be wary that Terrence Jones is always sagging behind that small defender, always waiting for th- to, to double team or to help on defense. So a quicker ball rotation would uh, offset what TNT is doing. It would throw Jones off guard because instead of helping for McCullough he would be roaming around the court trying to find the open man and that would uh, that would keep TNT on their toes and that would keep the SMB offense flowing efficiently and as for TNT of course composure towards the end game would be one but if we're going to analyze the stats for the first two games the glaring disadvantage of TNT would be bench scoring. Whether San Miguel wins or not, they have always dominated that department for this final series. And it's not even close for the first two games. As you can see, bench points for game number one, San Miguel has it 25-8 to even though TNT won. 
And in game two, bench points would be a whopping 37 to 5 in favor of the Beermen. So if TNT were to win game number three, they would need a lot of production from their bench. It's not just the Roger Pogoy show or the Troy Rosario show or the Jason Castro show and more importantly the Terrence Jones show. They must find a way to rest their starters and to keep getting baskets from their replacements in order to always keep San Miguel at bay. Because if they couldn't find production from the bench, the more that their starters would uh, log extended minutes and the more that they would feel the fatigue towards the end game. And that could be the reason why TNT wilted in those overtime periods because the starters were playing extended minutes, logging extended minutes and having minimal rest because the bench couldn't live up to expectations, especially in a final series. So the likes of the Samurai Twins, even Taha, and uh, even uh, the other bench players should step up and uh, pick up some of the slack on offense. And that would ease the burden that the TNT starters would feel. So coming into Game 3, who might win? Uh, with both teams experiencing that double overtime. So both squads are at the same fatigue level because in Game 1, TNT had an extra day of rest as compared to San Miguel. But after Game 2, we're in. They both have experienced double OT and playing for almost an hour. So they are now on even terms. And... With what happened in game number two, wherein they nearly won that game, if not for the blunders at the free throw line, I would have to give a slight advantage to TNT coming into game three. That they will have a 2-2-1 advantage after this game. They will not dominate because San Miguel has already adjusted to their flow. And uh, they have... um, read the offensive scheme of TNT. Uh, let's see how Coach Bong Ravenna and consultant Mark Dickel will adjust, will adjust to that. But I would have to give a slight advantage to TNT, uh, win the game by less than 5 points, and take the upper hand in this very pulsating, exciting, uh, hotly contested, and uh, possibly a classic PBA Commissioner's Cup 2019 final series. And we've come to the end of another episode of the Limahan Basketball Podcast. Thank you very much for listening and tuning in. For all of your comments, messages, suggestions, or even violent reactions at that, please feel free to leave them at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash limahanpodcast. That's facebook.com slash limahanpodcast. So do not forget Game 3 of the PBA Commissioner's Cup 2019 Finals between the TNT Catropa and San Miguel Beerman happening right now. And uh, once again, this has been your boy, Lance Fernandez, always telling you that life is a ball. Never give up until the final buzzer. Thank you and God bless.